What's up? It's Moody MD. Listen, I have struggled. We'll get through this together. Yo, I'm TBD. I'm a work in progress, helping us reach our full potential. We on a journey. This is about personal growth. Our voices. Our experience. This is us, transparent, no filter. Life is short. Let's make it sweet. Let's get it. Short and Sweet Podcast, episode number 12. TBD, Moody MD, what's good? What's happening? What's up? What's up? Yo, I feel like I got a reoccurring segment and which is Stump Moody MD music, <laughs> man. So I'm going to kick it off with something. I'm going to see if you know this one. What you got for me? Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. You thought that was Ken- no, that ain't no Kendrick. This J. is Cole. Absolutely not. It's not. Who is it? No, nah, that's that's the young boy Roddy Rich. It's called the Box, which coincides with our topic that we're gonna hit on later in the episode, but. You know, that's that's a reoccurring thing. Um, you know, as we were talking, you know, pre-production, I had just started school and um, just started my MBA program. They asked us a thought-provoking question. It's, it's something that I want to bring to you real quick. What's something that you wish you spent more time doing five years ago? Mm. Five years ago? What's this year? This 21, 2016, focusing on my mental health, I think, and self-care. So for the past year or two with the pandemic, it's really allowed me extra time working from home, working virtually to put a lot of time into my self-care, journaling, making sure like my hygiene is good, making sure like my hair stays done, all these different kinds of things that I wasn't able to do five years ago. So that's what I would say. What about you? That's dope. Um, I would say I wish I would have spent more time learning about investments. You know, mm. I wish I would have got into the Bitcoin wave five years ago when it was about 8,000 per coin. You know, I could be a millionaire now, but, you know, it's better late than never. Um, you know, I'm learning now to diversify your portfolio, you know, a 1% and any sort of um, just any sort of stock, any sort of share can really make a difference. And the goal is to not get rich overnight. You know, a lot of the hedge funders have, you know, been pushing that sort of initiative, that narrative right now. So I just think it's, in, it's important right now just to, to focus on investments, focus on progressively getting better each day, financially, spiritually, like you said. Damn, self-care. I would have took that. I would have, I would have took that to work on my finances, actually, to I mean, boost my credit score. I like mean, that's, five years ago. That's still something that we <laughs> that everybody should do, and I think it's very important to have open dialogue conversations about yeah, credit, about sure. like investing, all of that. Of it. Mm-hmm. For sure. So last week we talked about strong friends and. We identified some signs and symptoms and things like that, that strong friends may need help. And my favorite part of last week was when Goldilocks, is that what you call Tamir? What do you call her? Goldilocks. Nah. <laughs> what do you call her? Uh, hair crush. Hair crush. Hair, hair crush. crush. Like candy crush. Yes. So um, probably having Tamir on last time we met, that was my favorite part of the episode. Uh, where she talked about what's it like for her being a therapist and people checking in on her. What's that experience been like? What about you, TBD? What did you enjoy about the episode? Um, You know, I got to play devil's advocate. That was not my favorite part, having Tamara on. (laughs) No, I'm joking. No, she did her thing. it's, it's (laughs) It's always important. You know, we have our significant others supporting this movement, supporting what we're trying to do. Um, I just appreciate those sort of concepts that we laid out with, you know, I feel like we both are the strong friends and we put out a lot of energy to help others. Like you put in, uh, you had talked about 
you had uh, helped one of your friends with one of their courses. Yeah, to get sure. on by. So it's like, shit, I might, <laughs> I, I might be needing your services right now. Nah, but nah, how did you do on the goal? Um, so the goal. How do you how do check, we check on your in strong on friend? your strong friends? So I mean, I got group texts and just with some of my homeboys. It's just always, you know, I'm, I send messages like, um, I, I could do better. But I feel like yeah. the way that I check in is I provide information. So mm-hmm. I saw that Bitcoin was up 2%. So I sent it to my, my dudes. Like, look, even if you got 100, 200 to put in, throw it in. Like, and I showed them, like, I made 700 with the, the 5,000 that I have sitting in Bitcoin. So, mm-hmm. you know, just showing that sort of information and showing, like, look, if I could do it, y'all could do it as well. And that's, I feel like, is a is a good way to check in. What about you? How did you check in with your, your strong friends? I like that. I like what you do. And I've noticed that a lot of guys do that. Instead of asking questions that's focused on how are you feeling? How are your emotions? How was your day? It's more like, let me give you this tidbit of information. And if you feel like talking, then you'll talk to me. I just laid out the pathway. So, you know, I'm open to communicating yeah. with you. Yeah, I could appreciate that. Honestly, when I was thinking about it, like, how do I check in with strong friends? The first thing that kept coming to my mind is asking, how are you? And you know how I feel about how are you, right? So you told me, I- don't ask you that. I know. I know. I did. I did. So I need to find a way that I can better check in on my strong friends in a way that they don't feel so pressured to give me a certain kind of response, if that makes sense. Do you feel uh, increased pressure because you have that status of being a psychiatrist? Absolutely. Absolutely. When somebody comes to me and they want me to listen and to communicate with them and to be there for them, I automatically feel this sense of pressure that I have to do a good job. I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day and I thought I was doing a horrible job of listening, right? And I'm like, man, today I will probably give myself a C minus. At the end of the conversation, she's like, oh my God, thank you for listening. You're such a good listener. And of course you would be because you're a psychiatrist and you talk to people all the time. And I'm like, did I do a good job? Cause I wasn't feeling it. I just, I wasn't feeling it. But I think part of that is me being hard on myself. Um, I mean, that could definitely be it. But then also you gotta realize, and I feel like a lot of people have to realize a lot of the times people just want to be heard and just want to know mm. that somebody's on the opposite end listening to what they're saying. So we did talk about being an active listener, right. being, you know, a strong component of being a strong friend. So you just lending that air and being maybe not as engaged as what you would have liked, but just being there. That's part of, you know, being the active listening process. Yeah. First starting with just listening and being there and being receptive to what the person is saying. So I feel that. Sure. Today we have another guest on the show. I'm really feeling this idea of having guests on the show that correspond to whatever we're talking about for today. And today we're going to be getting into thinking outside the box. And I definitely wanted to bring somebody onto the podcast who has thought outside the box in uh, various ways in their life. And this person, which happens to be my husband, Jerron, um, he's a physician, but he's had many career opportunities and experiences in the past. And he's thought outside the box. And I want him just to tell you a little bit about himself. Um, and then from there, you know, we'll branch out and ask some, um, some, some goodies of questions to pick your brain. For sure. Welcome on the show, Jerron. It's a pleasure having you. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, Well, uh, the question is, uh, tell me a little bit about myself. Currently, I'm a pain management physician, and I work for the VA as a subcontractor for veteran evaluation services to help out the vets with their compensation and pension. Wow. Okay. So 
And working with the VA has a special connection to you because from my understanding, and of course I know this, you were in the military. That is correct. I uh, went into the military right after high school. Actually, I signed up for the military doing the delayed entry program. So I got into the military seven months before I graduated. Uh, I actually just turned 17 at that time. I was happy, uh, but I had to get my mom approval. And then the recruiter uh, kind of sued her over to actually sign me up. And that actually started my lifelong career. That's dope. Um, You know, one, I just want to, one, hats off to your service, you know, salute you for being an active military um, and serving our country. What got you into medicine, into practicing? Um, I know there's not an emphasis of Black men, especially partaking in the medical field. You know what? I think is it was life pushing me towards that direction, and me not listening to life puts it as a as a thing that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, when I was in the military, one of my first assignments was attachment to a hospital hospital combat, and with this hospital combat unit, I was a general mechanic. So as a mechanic. I have no idea about what uh, these medical personnel is doing on a day-to-day basis, but they seem to be happy whatever they was doing on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And I was attached to a reserve unit with them also. So this is something they did today. You know, I see them two, three days uh, every month for uh, five years, um, once a month, um, one week in a month. So when I used them, I used to ask them, so what did you do on a day to day? And you could be a doctor, you could be a nurse, you could be a physician assistant, it could be a medical technologist. They all used to tell me what they do when they're not here doing their fulfillment with the military. And they used to say, well, we helping people every day, technically. And that's what we try to do in the military, you know, be the best we can to help our country. We've been the best we can in our profession to help our citizens of this USA. So or to, to protect, I mean, not protect, to actually uh, build the healthcare uh, gap that we have. Yeah. So what yeah. I'm hearing from you is that when you were doing this position, when you first got out of the military, you then entered in as a general mechanic and you kind of had this open-mindedness, this learning mindset about yourself, being very inquisitive to what other people were doing in their roles. And from there, did that kind of lead you towards medicine? Yes, yeah, so I think my personal traits probably led me towards Because my, my traits of being optimistic and um, being very open-minded to new opportunities uh, led me down the path to being a doctor, uh, well, being a physician. Because at the end of the day, um, while I was going down this path of becoming a doctor, I kept on trying my best to be a scientist, to be mm. uh, a man of physics, a man of chemistry. But I never uh. really, you know, if, if you want me to tell me my whole life story, there's been times I got scholarships that I refused that was medicine related or medical schools that was actually telling me, come to me you don't even have to apply just in as your CV because I was in a program called the Undergraduate Medical Academy at Prairie View and they recruited me and they was um I don't know where you want me to start this story because the story is kind of difficult because I kept an open mind I kept on mm-hmm. thinking about things outside of medicine even though medicine was kept on uh, even though medicine kept in itself like, I see what you're saying because, of I course, I know so. your story. Yeah. So, like, when you were an undergrad, you actually came into undergrad as a member of this undergraduate medical academy To that was a direct pathway towards sending students from Prairie View at HBCU into medical school. 
And while you were a part of that program, you still were exploring other things, keeping that open mindset, learning mindset. You explored physics, chemistry, but you still had it in the back of your mind that you had had this experience with medicine, especially because of when you were coming out of high school and you had these experiences asking these other service personnel what they enjoyed about medicine. It just always was kind of in the back of your mind as a potential option. Yes. Do you feel that way? Yes, I feel that way because at the end of the day, what made me more happy, it had nothing to do with money. It had mm -hmm. all the, well, the gratitude I received after I gave birth. Mm. I did something to change someone else's life that wasn't my life. The satisfaction mm. is actually a greater reward than any monetary uh, payment a person gives Um Going, so, you know, I think that was the biggest reason what led me down this path at the end of the day was that I can make the greatest impact down this route because this probably was something I was meant to do. I was meant mm -hmm. to do. So life leads you down that path. Definitely, um, can definitely tell that you're very passionate about medicine and you're very passionate about those in what you serve, um, you know, especially working with the VA, what sort of challenges and sort of obstacles has the pandemic provided to your profession? Actually, I love what the VA been doing since the pandemic. The mm. VA have uh, supported a lot of the veterans who actually needed the assistance before they even had any uh, evidence that they can um, uh, like put in a claim for. So what I mean by that, let's say I need some money because I can't work because I have a disability uh, due to my needs um, having a problem. Yeah. They come and they get an evaluation and after evaluation, that gets sent to the VA and they get rated and that's how they get their money. If they get money, if they actually, if the VA actually accept their claim, so during the pandemic that couldn't happen. People couldn't come in for the evaluation because a lot of the the facilities where the VA was having the examination wasn't having the proper PPE or uh, proper protection mm. to actually uh, serve the veterans. So it was no um, evaluations for about seven to eight months, seven to eight months. But the VA preemptively paid everybody. Hmm. Seven That's to eight months, they paid everybody before they even had got their evaluation. Therefore, they assumed whatever you was claiming, it was, it was going to be accepted. So therefore, there was no gap. Hmm. There was no, I need this help, and y'all not giving me no help. And I love that fact because it have been years where that would never happen. Um, mm -hmm. It was very compassionate of the VA to actually give the veterans what they needed to get by during the pandemic, during the worst mm -hmm. of times, if they actually had the best of, best of mind for the veterans. So during mm -hmm. the pandemic, I can't say I was affected too much because they actually uh, did some telehealth. And a lot of veterans Let's say they uh, did the evaluation, but they can do it over the computer uh, or they can do it over the phone. They did those evaluations, but if you couldn't do the evaluation, it was still granted and they still have their their funds to actually pay the bills to live, eat the food they need and, you know, get by. So it was uh, not too bad for the VA, I think, for my mm -hmm. yeah, that, That's awesome because... I mean, from the outside looking in, I always hear like the the horror stories of how the VA treats the 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 wounded veterans and and whatnot. So just the fact that they were proactive with providing those benefits that you know someone didn't go with a lapse of coverage, like right there, that, that's extremely important. Mm -hmm. I really thought that was uh, a tremendous thing they did for the past year. It, it, had a, had a lot of homeless individuals that I even had to look over some cases without even seeing them. And it felt great to know 
that I have the power to get them what they need because mm-hmm. they never can get paid if they never go through us no matter what but I can do the best I can to serve them for their future because whatever mm-hmm. I say now affect them forever no mm-hmm. matter no matter what anybody think when they come to these exams whatever I'm putting in their exams is going to affect them for their future Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go down from what I said. You can't yeah. go up from what I said unless you go through lawyers and a lot of other stuff. You got to go through a process. Yeah. So that's why I try to give the best service I can. I actually feel very grateful that I can do that. And I have the opportunity mm-hmm. to do what I can do or what I'm yeah. doing right now with the VA. And I think it's excellent. You know, it's an excellent idea to think about how things have come around full circle where you were in the military earlier in your life and now you're supporting active military veteran um, personnel as well as veterans and about how you at first were kind of, I don't know if I want to do the medicine thing and then now you're into medicine. And so I feel like thinking outside of the box for you has meant a lot of keeping that open mind and being imaginative and it it sounds like being very confident in your skills what do you have to say to those who think that thinking outside of the box isn't important or that it isn't possible thinking outside of the box make you brave Mm -hmm. i think a person who can not follow and see other people with us, therefore that's why you are doing this because you actually know the odds and the possibility of doing this is higher because you know you got the same skill sets maybe as the person before you, but it takes a strong person to deviate and go into the line that you may not be as strong as the person in front. You may not be the fastest, you may not be the smartest, you may not be the perfect person for this job or this school or for this person in life that you will be suing. But if you have the optimism, Mm. the imagination, the willpower, the, when you, it's like the need, like you need this. When you need something, what do you do? You do everything possible to get it because you need it. Now you look at something that you want to do in life and you say you need it the way you need food, it is very easy to accomplish a lot of things when you say this is your food. This is how I'm going to survive. And if I'm going to survive by eating this banana every day, or if I'm eating this banana every day, that's That's all I have to survive. That's how I'm going to get to where, that's what I'm going to use to get to where I need to be. Because great advice for all those people who think it is impossible or for those people who think it may not be important. So in our next um, segment of the I podcast, appreciate those stories. So that's dope. Yeah. And I'm in our next segment of the podcast, we actually do something called let's talk about it or not, where we mention current events and D and I go back and forth with, um, we present a topic, a current event, and we select which one might be better. And so now that we've started having guests on the show, we actually have the guests select which topic might be better. Mm. Is now an okay time for you to do that? Do you have yes. the time to join us? Yeah, no worries. Yeah, we got okay. three short, three back and forth. I'm gonna let you kick it off, Moody MD. What, what topic, you know, me... you, which one you got first for us? Okay, I think this is a banger. 18 former NBA players charged with attempting to defraud the NBA's health and welfare plan. Talk about it or not. Actually, I just heard of it, but I don't know too much of it. Okay. What do you got? We're going to compare them against each other. So the, the topic I have is... New York firefighters suspended after threatening state senator staff over vaccine mandate while on duty. Going to talk about it or not? Say that one more time. So New York firefighters suspended after threatening the state senator staff over the vaccine (laughs) mandate while on duty. 
I like that one. I like that one. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So, so here, so here, so here, we have four New York City firefighters. They've been suspended after driving their truck to the state senator office while on duty. Um, they asked for the politician's home address and telling him that blood would be on his hands over the city's mandate. You know, we know that. Oh, wow. We know that. So they mad that the city mandated that they have to get vaccinated. Uh, with the uh, uh, COVID vaccinations, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, New York, wow. New York City, um, New York City, LA, and um, I think it's San Francisco. They have some of the strongest vaccine mandates, um, and with them being city and government employees, they're mandating that they have to get vac- vaccinated, and so they're essentially doing an active protest while on duty. I think we're going to see more of this. Like, it's, it's just... But how, though? People don't want to lose their jobs. They I mean, what they just did were silly. But then it's so many of them out there that's anti-vaxxer that the, 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 the numbers actually make people think on talking. Yeah. So the more you talk, the more people want to join because I'm not alone. When I'm not alone, I become a bigger voice and then mm. it just trickled down to become even larger than it is if people ignore what is small right now. That's right now, sure. I think this is small. I need, they need to nip this in the bud. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's challenging because like right now, a, a lot of jobs are hiring, but People can't get people to work right now because, I mean, one, the government funds with the unemployment, and then two, a lot of people are just creating their own sort of avenues of income. So it's it's challenging to get that workforce. We can't not have government officials. We can't have firefighters because then, I mean, you got to think of that additional cost to train people. So if, if you had every single, not, if you had 25% of the firefighters um, participate in a boycott, that would impact everything, just the the whole effort chart. So so I'm assuming these people are Republicans. And they are. Well, some people aren't Republicans. They can go if they want. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, who really no, protested no. this hard not to get it? <laughs> like, the Republicans are very hard at this uh, not getting it. I know there's some Democrats who's not getting it, but who the ones who are making the loudest noise is Republicans. <laughs> Republicans yeah, are sure. making the loudest Like, I mean, I want, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't have the vaccine because, like, right now I'm doing my own individual research and, like, I, I still have an infant son. Like, he's about to be six months and so I know when I previously dealt with COVID like my symptoms were extremely strong and you know I had flu-like symptoms I was throwing up I like I couldn't get out of bed when I like from experience with people that I've known that got the vaccine they were sick for days I'm just like you know I can't afford to take any time off work I can't afford to miss any time with him but I don't want to be, I don't want to not be here for him. So I, I, I am think I am leaning towards getting the vaccine, but it's still some reservations as, you know, news is going on as, you know, more people that's getting the vaccine are starting to, to pass away. But I mean, people are just passing away in general. It doesn't matter if you have the vaccine or not. So it's just like, exactly. It's, yeah, that's the thing about you know news with the vaccine is that yeah. you don't know if this person actually dying or is it because they just got that vaccination um, two days ago or a week ago. Yeah. It's kind of right. hard to decipher that one. And because yeah. I hear people when they say that, I, I don't even have answers for them. But I do know what yeah. you just said at the end is people die every day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. is this just one of those incidental die uh, deaths or is this just a uh, you know, thing caused by COVID. Yeah, I, I just encourage All everybody right. just do your own research. But mm-hmm. I got you with that one, Pauline. Uh, I'm gonna go with the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next topic is Republican related. 
Uh, Dr. No, Donald Trump Jr.'s son trolls Alec Baldwin on the shooting death at the movie set. Okay, I, I heard that story. I heard that. Um, that is different, man. So what I have for that is, you guys may or may not have heard of her, Nicole Hannon-Jones. She's the author of the 1619 Project. Joins Tahishi Coates. I never can pronounce his name correctly. Um, the author of the very big book, Between the World and Me, um, as a race and journalist tenured professor at Howard University. And she snubs to the UNC White University. She has her reasons for doing so. I'm going to be honest. I don't know what that topic is about. <laughs> you don't know what it's about? Come on, you got to be put up on the culture, D. What's going on? I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. What <laughs> Okay. So I guess D got this one. So Donald Trump's junior went on tr on Twitter talking about the, sh the tragic uh, shooting death at Alec Baldwin's movie set. Um, he's got a lot of backlash, but he's got a lot of support as well by saying uh, he came up with a shirt that says guns don't kill people, Alec Baldwin does. Oh, man. And I mean, as... What's you know, the reason behind that? Um, Alec Baldwin, he took a lot of shots at Donald Trump while he was president, so... I oh, mean, just, yeah! He used to be Donald Trump on yeah, CNN, uh, yeah. SNL. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that used to be it's, hilarious. And okay. so, it, so it's just like, it's that, it's that troll, but it's like, it's the reason I brought this up is like, it's can trolling go too far? Because at the end of the day, the victim does has, have a family. And I mean, yeah. you you putting this on shirts, it's like yeah. extremely offensive. It's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a tough, but then it's protected by the constitutional rights, like freedom of speech. And you know, he like, this comedian made fun of my father, let me make fun of him, like kick him while he down. So it's just like, I think it's very tasteless, which goes to the whole Trump empire-ness. It's very tasteless to do that. I can see if he made a comment about it, but to put it on a shirt and to do that, I mean, he has a huge following, Donald Trump Jr. So, of course, people are going to see it. People are going to continue to propagate the message. And it just yeah. looks bad and it's tasteless. Yeah, he is horrible when he is offended. He's so yeah. tasteless. He is going to the stream. Like, I think that's so tasteless of him to say half this stuff, but to put it on a shirt, you just branded death. Like, literally, yeah. you branded death. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what to say on him. Yes. Donald Trump. You've been Donald Trump. Yeah. Right. Is. You've been Trump. <laughs> Okay, let's see if you're going to get me on this last one or not. So I have, this is a question on if we should feel bad or not. The pandemic creates nightmare tenants who won't leave, can't be evicted, but then who won't help the process of getting their landowners um, part of this rental assistance program. I had a patient uh, that actually is a landlord. And for, I, I'm not even quite sure is this something that's ending soon, but I know since last year, November, he haven't got paid by any of his tenants because the state said they didn't have to pay. So therefore they're not paying, even when they have a job and then all the maintenance still need to get done. And right. they still have to pay the building bills and he still had to do everything he was doing prior to the pandemic with no income. Sound like I got this one, D. Anyways, um, <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I read this really good article, right? And in this article, it talked about how these tenants basically moved in right before the pandemic happened and they just stopped paying. 
the <laughs> landowners lived in the same duplex and saw the people getting up, going to work every single day. So they didn't get fired, but they just stopped paying the rent. And not only that, but when they left, all of a sudden, they left in the middle of the night and they took all the kitchen appliances. Damn. Wow. And just straight up played the, the straight up played the landowners. So should we feel bad for these landowners? I kind of do. Yeah. I, it's I mean, but couldn't you file like insurance claims against that? I mean, it, it'll take a long time to get recoup your money, yeah. but it's yeah. I guess in the state of California, this might be for all over federally, but um, for there, with the eviction moratoriums um, being in place, emergency rental assistance programs for the landowners could only be fulfilled when the tenants agree. Like the landowners had to give documents oh. to the tenants who would say, yes, I do live in this household and no, I'm not paying rent because I whatever, I don't have that pandemic. job anymore. Yeah, I'm yeah, affected yeah. by the pandemic. So then it left it not in the landowner's arms, but instead in the tenants. And many of the tenants weren't cooperating. Damn. Mm. So that's really kind of messed man. up. Not yeah. all landowners are rich. I know that for sure. They not right. millionaires, you know, you got thousandaires. So it's not like they got a lot of cash just to be throwing out. Okay, mm -hmm. waste. It seems like they're wasting a lot of their money. I agree. The government stopped a lot of things. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely. I agree. I mean, I, I definitely feel bad for the the um, the land homeowners. It's just it's a challenging time. I I would say, if anything, it's just the time to sell. I mean, recoup that money. <laughs> sell that, I like for real. Like, I mean, do away with the tenants, sell. You know, make that profitability. It don't really make sense to get in the hole if you know your tenants ain't cooperating. You ain't getting that assistance from the government. I, I would just do away with it if it was me personally. Increase in Ohio. Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got one of the hottest real estate markets right now. Like I, I know. Like previous. Like I, I bought my first house last year, and just the sale of like because I purchased a new home. Like I, I made forty percent in less than a year. So oh, yeah, that's really just, nice. Yeah. So that's real nice. And I got this house at a steal. So it's just like. You know, it's. I feel like it's going to start to because the um the moratorium is. I thought it just got lifted at the end of October, so they have until after the first of the year to get out their houses. So I feel like a lot of people are going to. It's going to be a lot of foreclosures and whatnot. So invest, wow. invest, invest, invest. Yeah. That All right. Man, that just means gonna be a flood of houses on the market for sure. Yep. Yeah. Which means your house value you gonna go down. No, <laughs> 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 so I see you like sell now. Sell, sell. Man. <laughs> oh man, that's so oh, man, that's what they're thinking right there. Yeah. <laughs> thinking outside of the box. We appreciate uh, appreciate you for uh, joining on for real. Uh, gotta give you the applause on that. Um, now it's been a it's been a pleasure just going back and forth with the on the topics with you and just your story is one of resiliency. So really appreciate you. I appreciate it. Uh, had a fun time coming on today. For sure. Thank nice you. Bye-bye. All right, let's get into this thinking outside of the box, which is the topic of today's podcast. So what does it mean to think outside of the box? It's the starting willingness to consider different solutions and methods for reaching our desired outcome. And it's really about a metaphor, right? To think differently, creatively, new perspective. And we're all creatures of habit. So most of us, for the most part, not everyone prefer comfort and routine because our brain adapts to that kind of pattern. But there is so much depth and success potential that can happen. I think about Steve Jobs and how he was fired by his board of directors controversially because he says he was fired. They say he wasn't fired, but he was coming on with all these brand new ideas. He was thought of as being a risk to the company. 
But sometimes risks are essential for growth on both a personal and business level. And we're often told to think outside of the box from a young age, but how do we do that? So let's get into it. Let's get into it. How do you think outside the box, B? When you think about that, what needs to happen for a person to think outside of the box? (sighs) To go against the grain, to push the norm, to construct new ideas that others may seem as peculiar or weird or um like honestly and we went back and forth with this I don't subscribe to the box because I feel like I feel like the box limits your way of thinking I Mm -hmm. feel like honestly eliminate the whole construct of the box and just think freely I think that's the way that creators create and are able to push themselves to be better and that's how I feel like you come up with new ideas so I mean, how do you create when you don't know what you are creating based on? I hear what you're saying, but I actually read or rather listened to an interesting think piece, an interesting TED talk that says that sometimes thinking outside the box requires a box. Give me some rules. Give me some parameters. Give me a box in which I have to break outside of. And it talked about ways that you can succeed when you think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. one is to know your box your craft as an example if I'm going to write a book if I'm going to be creative I'm going to write a book then if I don't know who's out there I don't know what the other self-help writers are what their topics their backgrounds their trainings are then how am I supposed to know what I'm breaking out of how am I supposed to know how I'm being different I could just simply be doing a replica of other novels and books that other people have done So the first thing you got to do is to have a box and to know what the box is so that you can break out of it. The next thing is to embrace the box. So what have other people did in the past? Have they done autobiographies? Have they focused more on spirituality or something else? Once you have those things in place, you then start pushing outside of the box, stepping and inching your way out because now you know the box you have embraced the box and then you can move forward pushing outside of the box and not only doing that but somehow finding a way to build your own box and to define yourself because I hear what you're saying that you subscribe to the idea of no one having to have a box because that's how most creators think but I'm not sure that's really the case I mean like we can't say that Kanye didn't know about Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and didn't know about all these other rappers who came before him he didn't just wake up one day and say oh I'm gonna rap and not know what the other lyricists were doing he didn't just write Jesus walks with me I feel like knowing that nothing like that had ever been written before so I feel like what I'm trying to say is so when Kanye creates he'll put certain keys and sort and certain chords in certain areas in which other people weren't even considering he'll blend in gospel with hip-hop in which it really doesn't mesh like if if you think about it at face value you got religious versus you know pop culture right sort of um music how does he know to do that if he in order for him to be creative he has to know what other creatives have done only by him knowing the box is he able to say this is what's been done I understand it. I'm embracing the box and then I'm going to move past it. I mean, so like we're kind of saying the same thing, but I I feel like if you reject what has been done before you and just move at the at your own pace and at your own ideas, that's how you promote innovation. I think considering Mm -hmm. like because one of the things you had spoke on is abiding by like knowing the rules, knowing the limitations of the box. I feel like when you say, forget the rules, forget the limitations and just go, like, I mean, you may, I mean, it could be counterproductive and counterintuitive in some in some instances, but that's like, you know, when, if you're creating like the iPod, it, it was not. Mm-hmm. It, it was never thought of. Like, I mean, you had a Walkman. You had things of 
of that nature. But see, he had to know the box, though. He had to know that there was a Walkman that was out, but with the Walkman, you got to have your it's bulky, CD player. It's you gotta, it's bulky, it's bigger. Yeah. Remember when we used to have the CD players? You drop that bitch one time and it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's yeah, done. I, I feel it. I feel it. I just, I don't like the, the sense of being confined to a way of thinking. Okay. And so that's why okay. I don't consider it a box. But I guess some creators and some people do need to understand those rules, those boundaries, know what has been done before them in order to increase innovation and increase change. Mm-hmm. But me personally, so what about- no. for you personally you like no I'm good on it what are some ways that people can think outside of the box so I came across some interesting things one is that you can ask the child because child children are natural innovators and if you can't explain it to a six-year-old then you don't really understand it yourself now I don't really subscribe to that idea but I do agree that if you can't explain the concept to something to someone who's not in your field then there's a chance that you might not understand it yourself and if you don't completely understand it yourself then you might be missing important areas for you to build upon different changes that can happen so that you can then create something new and unique and think outside of the box. Um, I also came across different things that you can do, such as flexing your brain muscles. Like you can listen to focus music. Some people do brain games like luminosity. You talked about in our pre-production that you free write, that you create lyrics, you rap, or at least you used to. How do you feel like that helped you in the creative domain? Um, it was an expression to get my thoughts out. Like mm-hmm. anything that came to my mind, I would literally just put it on pen and pad and just go. Like there was no sort of boundary. Like literally the piece of paper was just, it, it just gave me the ability to just float new ideas and just push everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then another interesting concept that I really came across that I was like, okay, this is this is excellent. It's something called lateral thinking by this guy named Edward de Bono. And he said that basically the brain wants to find the most practical solutions while investing the least amount of energy. Basically, we have these self-organizing pattern systems. For example, if we were to look at it and say, how we read, if we were to read the word intelligent, because we've learned how to read over the course of time, whenever we see the word intelligent, we're automatically going to read it as being intelligent, right? But in this lateral way of thinking, what you do is you try to find ways so that you can challenge your brain to think outside of that self-organizing pattern. So in this example, what you could say to yourself is rearrange all of the letters in the word intelligent in alphabetical order. That's encouraging yourself to think outside of the box, to think in a way that's not so self-organizing. And by doing those different kinds of activities, you can encourage yourself to, um, to think more openly and creatively. That's interesting. I mean that. Now happen. All right. So when I think about your whole concept of thinking outside the box, one thing that I would have to add in is that everybody is in the different box. So when one person is saying that this is what I want to do, and you know I'm trained to think this way, let's go with medical residency. And before you go to residency in med school, a lot of the doctors don't really know what type of doctor they want. But they say, um, pick a residency and you just become a doctor and figure it out later. So at the end of the day, when people graduate from medical school, they go and become an internal medicine physician, a family medicine physician, or a surgeon or whatnot. They realize once they get into that residency, this probably ain't not, this not what I meant to do in my life. Why? Because a lot of times those people was in their individual boxes when we was in medical school. 
because in medical school, they was just so set on doing this one thing, graduate and to become a doctor, mm. to become an internal medicine physician, to mm-hmm. become a general surgeon. You stuck, you, when you was in med school, you stayed in that box in residency. You stayed in that box once you got done with residency. You stayed in that yeah. box once you went through your career and you think back in your life, like, how did I get here? Because you was in that yeah, box. Yeah, you actually bring up an and interesting point because you bring up an interesting point because uh, one of the ways that you can challenge yourself to think outside of the box is asking a lot of why questions. Just because that's the way I've always done it. And so at all these different intervals in our life, even when we're thinking outside of the box when it comes to your career and your life paths, like how we were doing with you, Joran, we can ask ourselves what, um, what are ways that we can think outside of the box just by asking ourselves why? Why am I doing this? So thank you or, for sharing you that. know, the more simplest, do this make me happy? Mm. That's mm. the most simplest question I ask myself every day or anytime I change jobs or anytime I do anything, will this make me happy? Not would this make me rich? Would this make me the most successful? No. Would this make me happy? Because sometimes okay. the hard decisions don't make you happy. Facts. Facts, facts, facts. Let's wrap it up for thinking outside of the box. D, you got anything else you want to add? Um, no, nah, I think it was a, a, a really dope conversation. Appreciate Brian hopping in. Um his take his perspective um question for our listeners out there what is your box what do you define Mm -hmm. as your box i think you know it's the box has endless amount of uh perspective and possibility so write into us at the short and sweet pod at outlook.com get at us on instagram at the short and sweet pod Appreciate the guests and uh, TBD Moody MD. We are out. We out. Awesome. Awesome.